Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's week 39 of the Nick and Matt Show. Uh, I don't know. We're on week like five or six probably under the Foundation Disc Golf Podcast Network. Um, so I'm super excited to be here once again. Going to bring you guys an awesome show tonight. Matt, how's your week been? Well, um, what do I have to say except, well, let me first start out with this. My wife's birthday is today, and I'm here live streaming in my oh. basement studio. <laughs> oh, man. That's okay. Your I actually, yeah, no, I surprised her with this really cool uh cake from a nice nice bakery uh surprised her with a few gifts tonight at dinner and um well i say it's her birthday long story short yes happy birthday to her i'm traveling to virginia tomorrow nick we'll be somewhat close to each other but uh it's for work so we're not gonna really have time to catch up but i was gonna say i would take the time to drive up and see you but if we don't have the time then i guess we can't we'll make see. it work we'll see i'll, I'll stay in touch um cool so uh, other other notable how did my week go uh, the, what tournament just happened? Vintage open and round one came out and I was so stoked to see Gavin Rathbun in first place. I was like, man, that kid came out hot. And mm -hmm. then I, um, took a little, I, I, I scanned my eyes down one, one name on the leaderboard and I saw Calvin Heimberg. And I thought to myself, really, is this going to happen the week after <laughs> the week after I uh, have yeah. a, a, what I called a hot take. Yeah, he won't have a win this year. Um, so I thought to myself, oh, man, I'm going to have to eat those words. Let's see what happens. Well, round two, mm -hmm. start, I was actually out in the middle of my own uh, team challenge tournament up here in New England. And I saw that he started out with a couple bogeys and a birdie, and he's plus one through four. And I thought to myself, oh, whew. I'm going to dodge a bullet there. <laughs> I think I texted you yeah. and you're like, oh man. And then, so long story short. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler. He took it down. So who do we have on the show tonight that I have to interview? Calvin oh, yeah. freaking Heimberg. Oh yeah. And it's, it's getting brought up. I'm going to, I'm going to do made, it right in front of the man yeah. himself. And we're going to see what I he has made to sure say. The second that he won the tournament in my head, I was like, yep. Hot take Matt just got proved wrong i gotta get him on the show so luckily calvin was actually super easy to work with getting him on the show he wanted to come on specifically to tell matt to never doubt him again especially in the state of arkansas oh man so nick uh i think i remember one of your hot takes yeah we we're not we're not say, getting by it. we weren't gonna bring no. it up so so who did you say take. fpo wouldn't win this year yeah <laughs> come on get it out you know maybe I haven't seen a clip of it. I might have said this, but I think I said that, you know, Sarah would have some great finishes, but I did say I'm pretty sure that Sarah wouldn't win this year. And <laughs> it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I exactly. ain't mad about it. It's We're awesome. Happy. I think it's great. But Sarah did get the win this week. So super stoked for her. To be clear, and we're going to move on from this hot take because we both want to. We're sweating bullets here. <laughs> um, we're very happy that these people are winning. Very happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't be more happy for Calvin. He's a great guy. Actually, he's hung out here in the studio basement here and played games with me. Yeah. Like he's an yeah. enjoyable guy. Uh, when I, when, but I will say it was a horrible hot take in hindsight and you'll see why we're going to talk about some of the stats. <laughs> horrible. I kind of, 
I kind of laughed when you said Calvin wouldn't get a win, and I was like, dude, they're going to Arkansas. He won Jonesboro last year, but I was like, you know what? Let Matt say what he needs to say. He'll get roasted in the YouTube comments later. Here's okay. In hindsight, all right, I made that pick in the way that you would make a pick playing roulette in Vegas. Like, nah, there's no way. Just pick a number. Yeah, there's no way. I'm just yeah. gonna roll the dice, and then it happens, right? It's like. It was honestly a not founded pick, of course, and everybody knew that. Um, so probably lesson learned. I either need to be more clear because here's the other deal. I could go back on my word, uh, what I said for my hot take and say, well, I meant elite series or like national tour, but yeah, that's not what I said. So I'm going to eat it. It was a silver series and Ricky was there. At least Ricky was there. It's not like he got a fluke Ricky win. Ricky was there. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, Nick, let's get in right into the recap. You want to run down just a little bit here through our notes? What's vintage open? Like, what happened? Well, spoiler alert, Calvin, like we just said, did win the event, averaging 1065 rated golf, um, 26 under par. The dude dominates in Arkansas. That's two in a row I think he's had since last year's Jonesboro Open. And then this year, was it last year or two years ago, the Jonesboro Open? Yeah, I'm, I'm having oh, a Oh, no, yeah. Last last year, they did have it. They did it late in the season last That's, year was, once yep. the tour actually started back up. So, yeah, he won it over Paul McBeth last year. And then in second place, I was super stoked to see this. Watch the coverage today. Actually, looks like he's playing great. Uh, James Conrad, runner-up, second place, two strokes behind Calvin, Calvin, averaging 1060 rated golf with the hot round in round two, 1093 rated. So 24 under par. Great weekend by him. I think round two was completely bogey-free which is, you know, pretty wild. And I think it was like 14 under par course record. So yeah. I think that's what Kevin Jones said during the coverage. For Yeah, for James, it was insane. Um, yeah. 1,093, yeah. Th that round two. It was rated 1,093, which again, that's just giving you pretty an wild. average on what a course would play to shoot 1,093 is excellent. Yeah. One thing that disc golfers always say is drive for show, putt for dough. And you could kind of see that this weekend when it came to the mm. putting green. Circle two putts seemed to be kind of something big for Calvin this week. He had five out of 13 go in with James only having, I think it was do, 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 two. He, he only had 13? three. He only had three. So they had the same amount. Three. James had the same oh, amount of bids yeah. on circle 13, two. 13 circle two putt attempts with three of them going in. Uh, also a big notable was Ricky was missing a decent amount. Yeah, we have that. Of, we have uh, that notes. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, but I, I do. Oh, okay. I want to hit on that topic where you just said oh, the go. circle two putts. James, mm -hmm. I don't want to say lost the event because that's that's a negative mindset. Played in extremely well to only be two back from a victory. Yeah, but yeah, he took the same amount of circle two bids as, um, as Calvin, mm -hmm. and he only got three in. Whereas Calvin got in five, that's the two stroke difference right there. Circle two. There you go. Um, exactly. Obviously there's a few other ups and downs, but when you look at their stats, these new UDISC stats are awesome. They are very, <laughs> very, very comparable in every single stat. So I just had to look and find, and that's what I came up with is literally, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what I'm picking to say it was, it was two different uh, circle two putts that didn't stick. So. And then circle one putts was a different kind of James only missed one of those inside the circle throughout the weekend. And then Calvin missed two of them. And so for James, cause I was like, what's, I always am interested, right. To see what the circle one putt looks like that they miss. Like what was it that caused that? Yeah, cause that's yeah, like yeah. for a top level pro, you should be making those, all, 
you should be making those 100% of the time. Large majority of the time, which is what they're doing. And yeah. James was, and I'm trying to remember how to play it out for you, it was hole 11, I believe. It was, uh, it's a straight to Heiser finish downhill, and he was long and into the weeds a little bit. And so he was technically in the circle, but he was putting out of long grass, and I think his hand might have hit something yeah. coming out. So it was, it was, gotcha. an, uh, it was an obstructed putt in some way. Mm-hmm. And then for mm-hmm. Calvin, it's funny when you look at stats, right? You look and you go, oh my goodness, he three putted. He three putted in the last round on hole 16. Like, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting because he was in circle two, but where he was in circle two was like in the woods, like n- not a chance at a putt, like yeah. off the fairway. Yeah. Technically, circle two is the worst place he could be. He had to just mm-hmm. pitch it. It wasn't even a putt. So, and then the, the yeah. putt that he did miss inside the circle, I don't know if you saw it. It was... 25 20 feet and Mm -hmm. it was like it was a decent putt like he hit just a little high and it fell out the left side like it wasn't it wasn't him being nervous so anyways yeah the stories of putts was it was kind of that was what won it between james and calvin this week yeah and i think that was kind of cool when i kind of looked at the u-disc just looking at the course footages and everything like that it did seem like clearly there was a lot of birdies to be made out there there was a decent amount of par threes and so it's one of those tournaments where it's not a completely wide open course. It's got slightly wooded holes to it. So putting definitely was a key factor in winning that tournament for Calvin. So let's just take a really quick break, a little advertising break. Nick, you're wearing something that I'm kind of jealous of right now. And the chat room wants to know, where'd you get it? <laughs> so it's like an early Christmas present. Uh, what, about eight months early? Um, so the foundation guys hooked me up with the new Nick and Macho hat. Um, oh, I'm not going to take off my hat right now because my hair is probably all messed up, but a hat. Um, yeah, the there's only awesome. one of them, it's right? Like normal. Tr- what's that? There's only one of these in the world right now. Yeah, technically I have a one of one hat at the moment. Damn. I might sign it. I don't know yet. Uh, frame it <laughs> in the museum for later. But yeah, but so, so that's a sample hat. The same. Yeah, it's pretty much, I'm pretty sure it's the same brand as the foundation hats that I wear all the time and I do wear them all the time. So clearly it's a comfortable hat. Um, I'm super excited to have this and just have merchandise from something you and I built together and have it actually be thrown out into the world now. So we should be making an announcement soon on when hats will be available and everything like that. I was waiting. Yeah, I was waiting for your quality control because Hunter obviously sent a picture to us and said, Mm -hmm. I'll let Nick get his hands on it and we'll make a final decision. And so, Nick, what's the answer? Is it going up on the website soon? Yeah, you give it a go. This this hat is very comfortable. Okay. I like it, and it's black, which is perfect. It matches pretty much with everything. So I would 100% say this hat will be going up on the site very soon. All right. And, and I no, think it's pretty slick. It is. It, it For those listening, it's the Nick and Matt logo, but without the caricatures of us, if you can imagine yeah. that. It's actually it's pretty clean. All right. Let's move on here. Um, Gavin Rathbun, a name that has come onto the scene this year. Couple um, times. Yeah. It, really just doing incredible. I hope we just continue to hear more about him. He threw an ace. I think it was like in that 280 foot range skip ace casey white makes a little appearance in there saying how come they're not sticking for me today which means casey was having some runs um that's cool and but more notable i think than the ace from gavin did you hear about his other big play that that weekend did you hear about it no there was a almost another skip ace that he had oh no he had a throw in there you go he had a throw in on hole 17 which i think they said was one of the hardest holes on the course it was like 300 and like it was over 350 feet insane yeah so is that bigger nick to you a 350 foot like eagle throw in or an ace of 280 feet which one 
Uh, probably the eagle throwing. Yeah, it's I would massive. say just in the sense of like sometimes like on a par three that's 280 feet, you're thinking you're birdieing that 90% of the time, if not more. On a tough par four that has a tough green at the end of it, you're hopefully getting a birdie, probably getting a par. And I think the basket was slightly elevated. And so, yeah, it was elevated. And then to throw in an eagle from 350 plus feet, I mean, that's just bonus on top of bonus. But to do it both in the same round, that's friggin' wild. Yeah, for Disc sure. Disc golf's too easy. <laughs> Disc golf is too <laughs> easy. Um, actually, we'll, we'll kind of bring that up a little bit later, uh, talking Masters, PGA. We'll, we'll bring that up a little bit, or, or towards the end of the show, rather. Um, yep. Can we just hit on the other notable MPO finishes real quick yep. here? Nico LaCastro, third place. Nathan Queen, fourth place. Adam Hammes, fifth place. That's Those are good to see those names there. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey White, again, we're giving him a top 10 finish. That's incredible. Um, he's yep. really turned it on the last three events. Um, Kyle Klein, 14th place. The reason I bring him up is because last year it sh- it was notable that he was performing at a pretty high level. Um, yep. And this year, eh, it's kind of one of those. Eh, like he has a seventh place finish at Waco, but 14th place, good. He's making a little bit of a move there. He played well. Yeah. Um, Brody Smith, 27th place, averaged 1,006, which is technically better than his average play so that's good for him he's still performing well um and then finally there's a few notables of kind of in the negative trend here nick ricky wysocki how many how many back on that putting range yeah Yeah, how many how many missed putts did he have what's that how many missed putts did he have in in circle one in circle one so seven seven circle circle one putts missed i don't know what place he finished in or how far out of the lead he was, but obviously seven strokes is a lot. That's a lot of money missed with putting. Man, seven. It was windy. I know people were complaining about day one, as in it was super windy. Day two, they said it was perfect. But man, seven circle one putts. Everybody else had the same wind. And the top Hmm. players, I don't know. That's that's interesting, right? Um, Yeah, exactly. But I don't think it was but I don't think it was like a couple of tournaments he was dominating on the putting green. Like absolutely dominating. I don't think it's yips. Like it wasn't like that. It it was just like something wasn't connecting. Yeah. No, he he definitely he doesn't have the yips going on. He's just got one of those weekends where, you know, he wasn't a perfectionist when it came to putting this week. And it's like, oh my God, Ricky didn't hit hundred (laughs) percent circle one putting again. So but yeah, seven circle one putts though missed is big. That's a lot for Ricky. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine another weekend's going to happen like that here at Jonesboro coming up. All right. Wrapping out this topic of MPO, and then we're going to hit the FPO quick. Ezra Aderhold, everyone wants to know, started out so hot round one or two and three of Las Vegas challenge. Um, it's interesting in this tournament, again, um, placing fairly low, lost strokes on the average player because he couldn't find himself getting to circle two or circle one in regulation. Once he made it to circle one or circle two, he was fine. It's not putting is his issue. It's uh, getting there. It was just getting there. So it's just interesting to note. Um, All right, moving into FPO, Sarah Hokum, FPO champion. Average 981. She shot 1,005, which I looked it up. She's only shot about a dozen thousand or better in the last two and a half years. So it's a good round for her, really good round for her. Um, She was the only player to finish under par, eight under par. Um, awesome. And so, Nick, what about uh, second place there? 
So Jessica Weiss in second place, averaging 959 with a 970 rated round one, which is obviously very good. Um, other notable FPO finishes, uh, Katrina Allen was one stroke off a of second place, shooting 989 in the final round. Missy Gannon, one stroke off of Katrina Allen, shooting a 964 in the final round. And then Lisa Fakus, who just won the Lone Star Classic, she was one off, one stroke off of Missy Gannon. So I think with that top five finish for her, and then a new face who was actually on the um, lead card going into the second round was Stacy Ronsley. She's new to touring this year. She's 893 rated, but round one at Vintage, she shot a 970 rated round. Ended the tournament in seventh place. Probably, I would, you know, bet the house saying that's her best finish so far at an, an elite series event. So I think one big topic we've been talking about all year, Matt, is the parity in disc golf, whether it's MPO or FPO. And the parity still is is wild. It is like it's actually shocking this year. Yeah. I would have never because my hot takes are always so wrong. Yeah. I would have never picked it this way either. I would have said, we're going to see the same thing. And then this would happen. Um, yeah. Didn't that happen when we called out Kevin Jones? Like, where is he? And then the next event, like he actually showed up. <laughs> we, yeah. I think he got fifth place at the next one after that. So maybe it's like nicing, you know, nicing someone when they throw a disc, like we have that power, Nick. Yeah. To be like, we might, we might have it. It's the, opposite. Right, Paul it's the, will not win Jones. It's bro. right. It's the opposite of nicing. <laughs> <laughs> saying they aren't going to do it and then they do he's yeah. not going to hit that putt he's not going to hit it and then he hits it of course <laughs> yeah um so, so yeah i mean there there's so much to talk about with all of this competition we could do that all night but we're going to try to line up right now um one of our guests for the night fpo player um sarah hokum so let me go ahead and work on getting that in say, well while you're lining yeah. that up I will give a shout out to GK Pro. They were the ones doing the coverage this weekend, and I was able to watch them. They are putting out some phenomenal content. They have this one camera that kind of roams around the players, which is in like this super high quality. I don't know anything about good cameras, but super high quality. It's really cool to see. And then uh, Kevin Jones, Thomas Gilbert, they were the ones doing the commentary. It's fun coverage to watch. It looked like a really fun course. A lot of the players seemed like they really enjoyed it. And then now they are all heading into... Jonesboro, the disc side of heaven, which is a course that I've always wanted to play, actually. I'm hopefully going to get out there one day, but it seems like we're ready on your side, Matt. Yeah, Jonesboro Open. It definitely is a course that they say disc side of heaven. It looks amazing. Um, I think it, this is a notable event for a lot of reasons, and we'll talk about that later of like what we're going to be looking for for the competition here at Jonesboro. But yeah, without further ado, got in our green room, uh, Sarah Hokum. So let's go ahead and bring her in. Let's get to know her a little bit. And, and congratulations, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Congratulations on your win. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. To Appreciate that. Yeah, we're so excited to have so you on here. There we go. <laughs> Great to be here. I've never been on this one before. Yeah, oh, that's we're uh, first appearance and hopefully not the last appearance. So we're very excited to have you on. Thank you for making it easy to reach out to you and get everything we need to get. Awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to get the angle right. Here we go. <laughs> it's one of the it it's, it's the nature of a disc golf show where we interview players. We just know we're getting them in the field. We're getting them in their vans. Holly Finley last week 
in her van on the side of like the the highway, the turnpike. Like <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so you averaged Sarah nine eighty one over three rounds. You shot your hot round. At, well, you shot the hot round. I should say round two and round three. Um, and you bested second place by eight strokes. So can you tell us how does this one feel? What do you think was the reason for this weekend's high level performance? You know what? I really don't even know. I feel like the course, uh, it's, it, it was kind of like an old school course in that we were playing the gold layout, uh, the same layout as the guys. Um, even though they gave us a, they gave us three more pars on a couple of the tweeners for the men, they gave us a, a par higher. So like half the holes were like not scorable. So I'm really accustomed to that kind of golf, um, from my early years, um, in the FPO division before they started giving us better layouts. Um, so I think I have a little bit of an advantage there cause it's really, you know, I know not to take any risks off the tee, the, re- the reward, the reward is not there. Um, on a lot of holes to take a risk. So um, my games, my my drives have felt really solid um, over the last month or so. So it really just executing relatively simple shots and then putting my approaches really close to the basket. Um, that the wind was really bad the first day, and I didn't put my approaches close to the basket, and I my putting was completely ineffective in that in 20 mile an hour winds. Mm-hmm. So I really made an effort to make sure I was putting myself on the tailwind side during the finals and or right next to the basket. So um, that slight adjustment was really helpful. And I'm kind of surprised, like I, I expected to be battling a little bit more um, mm-hmm. with the field out there. Do you kind of like, you kind of elaborated this on just a second ago, but the higher pars that sometimes the tour gives you uh, for the FEO division, different holes are part higher. Do you like playing the long tees in a sense, or would you rather a mixed layout between like they kind of change up the layout for the FEO division. I just want the, um, I want the layout to be optimized for Mm -hmm. the way women throw, right? Like it doesn't matter to me whether they're short tees, long tees, shorter basket, same basket is if the holes play well for the women, as in we can actually play golf and there are scoring opportunities. There is risk reward. Um, you have to make decisions rather than just throwing as far as you can and then chipping up and tapping out a putt. I mean, that's really boring golf, which we did on half the course out there. Um, So I definitely prefer optimization for the FPO division in all cases. And that can be done in a variety of ways. Do you have, is there a specific course that you could relate the most where like, let's say two years ago, it was kind of like a crap course for the FPO division to play, but then now it's a great course for the FPO division. Like one of the courses that I can think of, obviously being a Massachusetts native is Maple Hill built the diamond layout in a sense of this was supposed to be the FPO gold level layout for the MVP open. Are there any other courses like that, that people might know of? Well, that's funny you bring that up because Steve Dodge at Maple Hill was one of the first people to start giving women a different layout, even prior to the disc golf pro tour. Mm -hmm. um, Now basically mandating that the FPO be considered when um, they're deciding on course layout. So yeah, Maple Hill has done a great job of that. I mean, it really came from them wanting to extend hole eight to be like a 350 foot water carry or a 300 and something foot water carry. And Steve was like, well, that's not really fair, you know, for the FPO division. Um, and so we'll keep them at this, the, the original tee. And then he started looking at other tees like, oh, well, this one also isn't that great for the women. So maybe we can do something here. Mm-hmm. And it just like slowly evolved. And he was the first one that really made me think like, this is the way it should be. 
like this makes so much more sense that something that we hadn't done in the past. And honestly, in the in the past, there wasn't as many FPOs to even necessarily warrant that kind of extra effort to make, you know, to make it good golf. Um, but now we have so many more um, playing and um, there's been much more focus on 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 the FPO division. Um, as far as different courses that have done a great job, I think um, Jonesboro does a really great job, but he's he's been doing that since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, even that first year we, when I came out and practiced the course, I said something to him about, um, you know, this course is playing too long on several of these holes. And he went out and installed tee pads like the next day. He gave us like four tee pads that first year that he hadn't planned on giving us just because, oh, wow. you know, like he, re- he gets golf. He, he like mm-hmm. models his courses after, um, ball golf design ideas. Mm-hmm. So he totally understood. And I think, you know, and, and since then he's optimized it even further. And, um, yeah, I mean, he does a great job and even, you know, I think notoriously the, um, uh, the glass blown open has been, hasn't done, hasn't done the best job at it, but even like, even last year, they changed some of the pars, um, and made the course more scorable for the FBO division to make it more interesting, to make the competition tighter. Um, and yeah, so I think they did a great job. Uh, and there's a lot of places that have been doing a great job at this. Yeah. And, you know, now, nowadays I almost don't even have to say anything anymore. I think people are just naturally looking at the scoring and being, and looking at the U disc and thinking, okay, well, these four holes, we didn't get hardly any birdies or we got no birdies. Like mm-hmm. what can we do next year to make it better? So it's really, it's really awesome that, gotcha. um, this is starting to happen. That's cool. That's great that, you know, FBO competitors who have been in the game for a while are starting to see that change happening and that the FBO side of disc golf is obviously going in a positive direction when it comes to the tour TDs and everything like that. So kind of off that subject now, but going into the 2019 season, you had switched up your sponsorship. You went to MVP and then in 2020 COVID obviously hit. So it was kind of like a rough year for everybody, but now that we're in 2021, we're back to the full swing, full disc golf season, hopefully on a scale of one to 10, how comfortable are you obviously with the discs? I mean, you've had about, let's say a year and a half, almost two years now to learn everything scale one to 10. How are you feeling about your game? I would say, you know, I'm never going to give myself a 10, mm-hmm. uh, cause there's always things that you can do, but I would say yeah. as far as like being comfortable with my, my disc selection, I would say like eight and a half, nine, there's still a couple molds that I think I need to put in my bag. And then some of my molds, I still need to learn a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel very confident and I really love my lineup and MVP has been just a wonderful supporter. Awesome. So Sarah, you're very well known for your sidearm throw. Okay. You've thrown big time shots when it matters most using the sidearm. But, uh, this past weekend, we saw some shots that impressed everyone when you threw backhand. Uh, it made features and highlight reels. How much have you been working on your backhand? How important do you feel it is to your future success? Um, yeah, so I've been actually working on my backhand for many years. Um, but as you guys probably know with certain skills that um, it takes a while for you to get comfortable using some of those skills in competition. So I've been working on my backhand since like 2010. Um, but it's never really been, I've, I've used it on like hyzers, you know, I developed a hyzer that I could trust, you know, it's one direction. It's a simple angle, you know, hyzers, like the first thing you throw when you're trying to learn, you accidentally just throw hyzer all the time. So, um, it was kind of an easy shot to throw in the bag and I've been throwing hyzers for a a lot of years. Um, but I, 
over while COVID was in, was happening, I had about two and a half months where I decided that, you know, I, I wasn't working. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a lot going on. So I thought that'd be the perfect opportunity for me to really kind of get my form down and be able to throw more angles with my backhand. And I worked out a couple of things that were causing me some issues um, in my reach back and then kind of my focus on my hips. And I really started to be able to control the angle and the trajectory, which, um, you know, so something clicked, clicked in my form. Um, and now I feel like I can throw a lot of different angles, some of them not so well. And I still struggle with height, um, throwing up and down hills, some of those kind of second, secondary um, level skills that I'm hoping to continue to work through. But um, I just feel just it's it's awesome to have so many options and almost confusing sometimes. <laughs> have you ever have you ever had and I apologize if I'm missing this. Have you ever had a featured or a highlight shot backhand before? Probably not. They're not <laughs> was, usually very good. So. It was it was totally <laughs> awesome. That's why I wanted to bring it up. I think it was fantastic to see. Um, with the level that the FPO division is bringing as of this year specifically, we've obviously seen very talented FPO over all the years, but this year the parity is so great. Um, do you feel like it's even more like important now than ever to keep refining that backhand? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's so many talented players in the FPO division right now. It's awesome to be able to battle with, you know, 10 other people instead of maybe three in the past. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's given me extra motivation to make sure that I have all facets of the game, um, solid, um, also help, you know, it's motivated me to, um, work through my spin putt again. Um, so now, you know, I've got sidearm, backhand, push putt, spin putt. Uh, I feel like I could do almost anything. Maybe backhand rollers are a little out of my, <laughs> out of my skill Same. set yet, but, uh, maybe in a couple of years, maybe I'll be able to do that too. We'll see. Nice. So 2008, is that when you started touring? Basically, yeah, I wasn't quite touring there, but that's when I started playing pro and started kind of traveling within, you know, within like five or six hours of my home base in St. Louis. Okay, so we'll say 2008 is kind of when you became a lot more competitive with the FPO division of disc golf. You're obviously a well-known figure in it. Um, you have multiple U.S. Women's Championships, and you're also a 2012 World Champion. So you've been playing, obviously, let's say competitively for about 13 years now. Where are you finding the motivation still week in and week out? Is it a drive to just consistently get better or a drive to, you know, win another world title? Where are you finding all the motivation to just keep doing this week in and week out? I just love it. I love being on the road. I'm kind of a nomad at heart. So the traveling lifestyle really suits me and I, the game itself. You, it's almost unmasterable. So until my body says no, I say yes. <laughs> nice. That's excellent. Right, cool. um, we we'll have to get a T-shirt. There probably is a T-shirt out there that says that. <laughs> um, so you have been vocal about growing the FPO division. Um, is this something you took on yourself um, originally, or, or are you operating in some official form or capacity with the pro tour or the PGA. Um, how, how did this come to be? And is this just something that you are passionate about or did somebody approach you about it? Is it a formal thing? Tell us more about where this came from. 
Um, I think I've always, I have a minor in women's studies and I think I've always kind of experienced a little bit of inequity when it comes to, as a female athlete. I was an athlete in college and alongside a lot of my male counterparts, which who were deciding what professional teams they were going to be playing for. And I looked at my options as a female athlete and there just weren't very many options anymore. Um, and I've been an athlete my whole life. And now all of a sudden, even though I have, you know, um, a degree in another field that I could easily pursue, you know, I'm a competitor and I'm an athlete. And once I got out of college, I realized that that was over. And, you know, so that's kind of the original kind of inequity that I experienced as a person. Um, and then, you know, as disc golf came along, I, I kind of jumped in both feet without realizing that financially it was a really bad move. You know, when I, when I first started touring, I see these women out there doing it and I thought, okay, well, if they're doing it, I can try to do it. And then I really, I realized, I realized the levels of sponsorship, the level of payout, even the bonus structures, they were all way less than um, my male counterparts. Um, So then, you know, I'm just starting to experience these things and then I'm playing, you know, playing courses that you're just completely outmatched on distance and um, playing for par is the name of the game. And most of the women were, un- were over par, um, even winning the event. Um, so I started to kind of see these issues as well. Like, how come we don't get to make decisions? How come our risk reward is so much different? Um, and then, then um, Valerie Jenkins, Doss now, um, asked me if I wanted to be part of the women's committee for the PDGA. And I was like, yeah, like, I think I could do that. Uh, and then I started doing more research and I kind of, I did this talk on the, for the women's symposium a couple of years ago where we, I discussed some of the issues and some of my suggestions on what we could possibly do to kind of, you know, make this a better sport for women. And from there, it just kind of continued to evolve. And, um, it's been just a pleasure to try to make change. And I think that we've seen a ton of positive change, um, especially with, you know, Val, she, you know, she was the originator of the women's global event, which has pushed the women's game really far ahead into the future. I mean, before the women's global event, there'd be a couple, um, women's events every year. And now we get, you know, there's, I mean, there's like 70 women's events that one weekend, um so yeah I mean it's just been a pleasure really to just see how things are going I love to do research so I have all these excel spreadsheets of random information that I can use as data to kind of prove some of the points I'm trying to make um and yeah it it, I don't have an official capacity outside of um being part of the women's committee um but uh and then of course respect her game came about last fall um, which um, I'm one of the founders there and we're working to push um, kind of the language and uh, kind of curb bullying, push the language in a positive direction, curb bullying, make sure women feel safe on the course. Um, so yeah, it's really just been a pleasure to to be a part of this positive change and I think it's going to keep happening. Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, uh, <laughs> the fans of the show are like, Matt, shut up now, stop, close your mouth. Don't don't say what you're going to say. No, I'm kidding. For what it's worth, I actually totally, totally appreciate and respect the way you present yourself in all forms of communication, whether it's social media or a formal release of some sort, whether it's respect her game. When I when I see your name pop up, I know I'm going to get something that's well thought out and at least should be listened to. And so I just want you to know from Nick and Matt show, <laughs> we do appreciate that as well. Uh, keep, keep on doing that for sure. 
Thank Absolutely. you. And one thing I would, I, I do want to kind of say on that same um, mm -hmm. point is there's so many, you know, there's so many great supporters of disc golf and women. Um, and, you know, like the respect your game movement is really trying to be a positive force for the game. We're not, we're not trying to blame men. We're not trying to, you know, um, we're not blaming anyone. We are really looking for allies. And I think it's really important with just the entire women's game that like, a lot of um, men and sometimes some women don't experience the kinds of things that we do. And we're not asking them to totally understand, you mm. know, what happens, you know, if you have never experienced some of the things that um, certain other people have, like it's hard to put yourself in their shoes, mm -hmm. you know, but the, you know, just um, being able to listen and just be open-minded to the fact that that could be someone's experience is just really important to all of the, you know, all of the people in kind of the women's leadership positions um, we're, you know, we're, we understand that it doesn't make sense in some ways and it's not, doesn't apply universally to anything. Um, but that, you know, these personal experiences are this result of the environment that exists and it's not anybody's fault, but mm -hmm. that we can take steps to try to make it better. And that's what we're asking. And that's what we're pushing for. Yeah. I really cool. like the way you communicated that for sure. Um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think. I had something I was going to ask. Now I'm just like stalling. Of course well, we of course we do this on a live show. Um, yeah. But, but I, I wonder. Oh, here I it is. Question. Here it is. Holly Finley this week made a social post asking for more FPO spots to open up. That is obviously a I want to say a great problem. That's kind of cliche, but that's a great problem to have. Do you have any? If I was to give you, you know, one minute to give your best insight on that, like. How, how do you think this is going to be handled going forward? There's been talks of FPO, their own tour. Um, there have been talks of separating days out through the week to have FPO specific so that can grow. In this year specifically, is there any opportunity? I think the Disc Golf Pro Tour generally does a good job with managing this. Um, have you had any opportunity to give insight there to Jeff Spring or anybody else? And do you have any insights of your own on how you might be able to expand the FPO division? And is it needed? Well, it's definitely needed. I actually sent an email to Jeff Spring in the early part of the year, looking at all the registration dates, looking at the numbers that they were offering. And then I took a 10 year history of all the numbers that had happened that had occurred on every one of those tournaments showing in the growth and that, you know, and recommending a certain number of spots be available to ensure that we are growing enough in the women's side of the sport. Um, and he acted on those and did, and all these TDs are doing the best that they can to get women more, to, more spots. Um, I think that the real crux of the issue though, is if we look at the percentages of women on the road that are playing the events versus regional women that end up playing in our field compared to the number of men on the road touring and the number of regional pros that are able to play the events. So on the women's side, almost no regional pros get into these tournaments right now. It's almost completely tour women, right? So we've got like 95% of the of the um, the tour of the women in the field are actually on the road full time trying to make a living at this. Um, and guess what? 50% of the women get paid every week. On the men's side, we have probably 40 or 50 men on the road full time, but then we get you know. As at least that many regional pros getting into the tournament. So, you know, if the touring pros are doing their job, they're mostly getting paid and it's a rare situation when they don't. But on the women's side, we don't have those 30 
you know, those 30 extra women in our division, like holding up the bottom end of the field, trying to see if they can make the cash. The mm -hmm. touring women themselves are barely making the cash. So I think that that's the really big difference in the way the field sizes work out. And I get it that, you know, the men are like, hey, I can't get into the tournament either, you know. But for the most part, most of the men that aren't getting into the tournament is because of their rating. Is they're not, getting, you know, they're not able to sign yeah. up in time. Um, but for the women, our fields are closed before it's even in second tier. Mm -hmm. um, and it's only the touring women that are even getting getting in the tournaments. So that makes for a very cutthroat environment for the women, um, much more so than the men. And so, I mean, I think that the answer is that we continue to make like push towards more equitable numbers. So we continue to take spots from the MPO and give them to the FPO until we get to the point where the MPO are also experienced, experiencing these kinds of fields where everyone on tour is the only people that are getting into these tournaments. Like you literally have to be on tour with a high enough rating in order to get into these tournaments instead of welcoming all these regional pros to come and fill out the bottom of the field or maybe fight for the cash when they when they're good enough that weekend. You know, because right now it's just, you know, it's completely different for the women and the men, the way we experience the numbers and how it affects the way we are able to get paid out. Um, so it's not something that a lot of men want to hear. And I get that. And I understand that it's difficult for registrations everywhere right now. Um, however, if we're ever going to get to an equitable situation, that's the only way to do it. We can't we can't handicap or handcuff the women's division just because. Okay, well, uh, in this oh, in, in this moment, in this moment, we've lost connection, but it looks like it's reconnecting. So Oops, I do want to say we got you back. I do want to say sorry and, about that. That's okay. I do want to say that your your opinion is valuable. Thank you for sharing that with us. I don't think it's the place right now with the amount of time we have and getting ready to bring Vinny in to debate it, but I think it's valuable. And I, our chat right now is actually enjoying the conversation as well. Uh, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, I want. I wanted to give one big shout out to actually a local guy in Massachusetts, Bob Kolchuk. He's running a big B tier and it's slowly gotten bigger and bigger. But the first thing he did with it when he did the registration was only women could sign up for it. And they had, let's say, a month before registration opened to everyone that only female players were allowed to register. And so I think for B tier Massachusetts, it has one of the biggest turnouts ever for any female divisions in that area. Uh, whether it's FPO, FA1, yeah. FA2s, things like that. So shout out to Bob Kolchuk, awesome guy, ambassador for the sport and everything. And then just before we wrap it up completely, if you had 30 seconds to give a female player trying to get out onto the road and make the tour, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say make sure you've dialed in every part of your game that needs to be dialed in, um, as well as, you know, minimize your bills, find a travel partner or reach out to some of the ladies on tour to help you out. Um, it is a cutthroat environment, like as far as the way you can earn, earn funds on the road, but uh, everyone is also incredibly welcoming. Um, so a lot of us will do whatever we can to help you. So, you know, get that game dialed in first, get your bills minimized <laughs> and then reach, reach out to us on, on tour and we'll do what we can to help. Cool. And now 30 seconds of a shameless plug. Where can the people find you on the Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any and all of that jazz? I am uh, I'm like the worst social media -er hmm. out there. Uh, it's 
it doesn't come natural to me. So, um, but I do have, I do try to recap all my tournaments, um, on Instagram and also my Facebook page. So please follow me. It's Sarah Hokum, um, on both of those platforms. Um, and yeah, and I also just, MVP just released two signature discs of mine, the cosmic trace and, um, the neutron crave. So there's a ton of retailers out there that have those. So please pick one of those up. They're great molds. You're going to love them. Mm, very cool. And then any other sponsors you want to give a shout out to before we head off? Yeah. Um, Paragon Disc Golf, Miles at Park Hill over there is a great resource for any kind of printing you need for your tournaments, whether that's apparel or um, tournament signage, or if you need your vehicle wrapped, you can do that too. Right behind nice. me, he did mine. Um, and then also Zuka Inc. Uh, they have been a great supporter. And man, if I didn't have a cart, I would not be able to play. So it is like an such an important part for me. It takes the weight off my back, um, transfers it to my legs. So I get a nice workout if I'm going up and down hills, um, but it go. doesn't actually inhibit my back or my shoulders. Um, and then also mitten bags um, up in Michigan. Uh, she's really been helping me out keep my hands dry. So she does a great there mix of clay, the clay powder and the pellets. So if they're like already ready to go, you don't even have to beat them in. It's nice. true. Well, very, very, very fun to have you on the show. Uh, we will definitely have to have you on again, especially when it comes to talks about the FPO division and the future of that for the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the tour just in general in Disc Golf right now. So, Sarah, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Have a great evening and good luck the rest of the See season. Around. All right. Peace. Bye. All right, everybody. That was uh, Sarah Hokum, the winner of the Vintage Open um, this past weekend. Nick? Uh, what, what is, what is a reaction to that? First of all, you didn't throw yourself under the bus. You should have said, Hey, I didn't pick you this week, but. Oh yeah. I totally forgot about that. Totally forgot. Hey, did I forget about it though? Did did I have 500 IQ play maybe? Um, Go ahead and (laughs) recap what stood out to you just a little bit while I get Vinny in here. Yeah. I mean, obviously stellar win. Um, you can definitely tell that she's been working on her game and it's cool to see that she feels confident in those discs. Kudos to MVP for also coming out with Signature Series and helping of supporting her and everything like that in her tour travels. But yeah, I definitely think as, you know, a male mixed pro open player, um, I'm, you know, I'd say a lot of people are immature to what goes on in the FPO division in the sense of, you know, I didn't realize that these spots need to get filled or that they didn't really have reasonable players filling the bottom half and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to get a little different viewing on it all well i can tell you yeah i can tell you that the chat is full-blown debate style right now including brody smith in there would love to have he says (laughs) the option to respond to that topic i think it is a huge topic one that i am not fully informed on so i'm not going to make a strong opinion right now i did hear her opinion i have a lot of questions about that um but as I told her, I don't think it was the time right now for me to ask all those questions. We'd have to have her exactly. on um, another time. But Well, uh, I was going to say, at the end of the show, if we have time, we can throw Brody on <laughs> and maybe get some hot takes with that. And then, you know, maybe. That maybe. So, I got to travel. Anyways, I see someone in the green room. I'll let you introduce him, Matt. All right. Calvin Heimberg, uh, vintage open champion, um, playing incredibly well this year. Let's welcome him in. Calvin, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. Um, just got here into Jonesboro and got my first round in, but uh, yeah, everything's good. Awesome. We're All so right. excited awesome. to have you on. We're so excited. You averaged 1,065 rated golf uh, with 1,071 rated round one. You ended up getting 11 
birdies in a row during round two. After a somewhat slow start, you were plus one after four holes, but then you went 11 birdies in a row. Did something shift at that moment or a click that enabled you to turn it on? Or was it just like you turned it on the whole time? You just had a few bad holes. Um, yeah, it was just a slow start. And I don't think anything really switched. It was just continued to try to birdie holes, made a couple big putts in a row, a couple from circle two on six and seven. And then from there on out, everything was pretty smooth sailing. I mean, I made a bunch of putts, but everything just seemed to click. A bunch of different pros that we've had on the show before. Some of them keep up with the UDIS live scoring. Some of them don't. But obviously, James Conrad was shooting great round in round two, 14 under par, mm-hmm. making a decent push going towards you. Did you know he was pushing? Yeah, I mean, I, I did see that James was shooting a really hot round at one point, but um, I, I wasn't sure at the very end how hot he had finished. I, I yeah. stopped following about probably two-thirds of the way through the round. I was kind of focused on my own own round. I was going through a lot of birdies there on my own, so I wasn't super concerned with losing ground when I was birdieing everything. That You can predict the future, obviously, because my next question was, does that change your mindset at all? But clearly it was just you going in there and saying, look, I'm just going to play my game and keep birdieing everything. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so you've placed this year so far, you have a first place finish, a second place finish, a third place finish, a fourth place finish, and a fifth place finish. So that's the one, two, three, four, five. That means you're averaging a third place finish, which if my stat, you know, department here at the Nick and Matt show is good enough that you have the highest placing average finish yet. Okay. Out of any player out there, what would you say to someone who made a hot take suggesting you wouldn't have any wins this season? Uh, I mean, that's a pretty hot take. I mean, I've gotten two wins the past two seasons, so I don't see why I couldn't get any wins this year. It's hard to count vintage as like a, big win to me but um it's kind of like a tier below elite series but uh so i'm still pushing for like the first elite series win but to say i wouldn't win anything this year would be a, a very hot take that <laughs> i think you dumb to put money on that oh man <laughs> so so oh, here's that where that is i'm throwing myself under the bus okay calvin i'm raising my hand this was uh-huh. me this was me last week making a very 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 foolish very foolish hot take very foolish so wow. yes hot take. It, it was so hot the chat blew up on me it said what are you doing and then later in hindsight i'm going what am i doing i'm researching all the stats you're, you're mm-hmm. gonna win from here on out that's now my new prediction that's that's my new hot take that's, that's another very hot take. <laughs> <laughs> i'm all in um so here's the deal when i make my takes it, it's literally my mindset is like Las Vegas. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm making the hot take trying to cash big, but it was a very poor choice. So we're, I'm so excited that you did win continuing the MPO parody. It's incredible this year. I don't know if we've ever seen a season like this ever. Um, mm-hmm. So are you generally satisfied with how you've been performing? Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, for the most part, I, uh, I still don't feel like I've quite put together like a complete tournament. I haven't been most, most of the year. I feel like I've kind of, I've been leaving some putts out on the course. Um, even a couple in the first round of this past event, but, um, as a whole, I don't really feel like I've put together three great rounds. Um, I mean, Vegas, I had three good ones and followed up with my worst round at the end. Um, and then there's a couple other events where, I mean, I placed well, but I, don't really think I was in contention coming down the stretch. So, I mean, 
sure, I placed well, but I want to be in contention coming down the stretch because all I'm out there really to do is to win. So when you're not really competing for the win, it kind of feels pointless being out there the final round. Yeah, but your your stats are pretty high right now. And again, this is um, an interesting topic. Would you rather have, you know, high average finish or wins, right? Because you're going to get a lot of pro tour points for your your placements. But if you could have a lot of pro tour points or a few wins, you're probably choosing wins. Is that correct? Yeah, wins over points at any point. Because at this point, there's no payout or there's not really a huge advantage for pro tour points. I mean, I don't know how many points I have now, but... I feel like I could probably play pretty poorly the rest of the season and still make it into the whatever the pro tour okay. finale because mm-hmm. of the way I've already played. So win, wins definitely trump pro tour points. It's not super hard to get in the pro tour finale, especially if you have a couple good finishes because the point structure is super top heavy. Yeah, for now, sure. Is that kind of the same mindset going into where, you know, because there have been players who we've asked before, you know, would you rather top three finish at every single event or would you rather win here and there you know when it comes to money is that kind of like the still mindset you would just rather win yeah i mean i, I think realistically winning is going to bring you more money than just placing high because the way payout structures work and bonus mm-hmm. structures and along with you know other whatever commemorative discs that come along with that there's way more money in winning than consistently placing you'll probably make more money as a player if you just ride the roller coaster and you have super high highs and super low lows rather than being consistent across the board and you're also i mean people are going to remember you know your peaks yeah that's such a good point yeah i think a lot of people kind of forget that is that the incentives that all the top players have to wear you know, say you win three pro tour events in a season, your bonus potentially is going up and up with each pro tour win rather yeah. than just getting that consistent top two, top three finish every single mm-hmm. time. So that's pretty sweet, but kind of a little off the disc, uh, disc golf talk. A lot of people are asking it on my Twitter that I posted today. And a lot of people know this, but you have a degree in chemical engineering. Is that correct? Yep. So with that degree, more than likely, you could probably go out and get a pretty decent job. I don't know exactly how the field is, but from what I heard, chemical engineering potentially can pay pretty well. Um, what's keeping you in disc golf? Kind of why did you transition from getting that degree and full-blown going to touring? Um, I, at first, it was just, it was the last chance I'd have before entering a chemical engineering field or any kind of normal job. I, once I entered that field, I probably wouldn't try disc golf. So once I graduated, um, really, that was kind of the last chance. And I you know, I went for it. Innova put me on the star team really without any wins or anything. And uh, there's a decent amount of support that comes with that. And through performance the past couple of years, the incentives and basically what I'm getting paid by them has become a lot more lucrative. So have you made, so you've made the long-term commitment of this is what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say I plan on doing this for probably the next five maybe 10 years well i think five years is the uh reevaluate see what's going on and then uh but i think physically it's it would be easy to play another 10 years very cool very cool wow yeah that's uh i i I appreciate you just being transparent with even the fact that five years you'd reevaluate um i i wonder how many other disc golfers are doing that uh but so here's here's a question for you worlds is happening this year it didn't happen last year uh, yeah. probably a significant letdown for a lot of the players is what you strive for as an athlete to be the best. Uh, what kind of odds do you give yourself to win this year? Uh, is this your year? I don't know. Odds are pretty tough, but, um, I think 
I think it would be way easier to figure that out closer to the event. I think <laughs> it really comes down to putting. I think most tournaments come down to putting. So whoever's coming into the tournament putting well and whoever puts well in the tournament has a very good chance. But there's plenty of plenty of competitors that are perfectly capable of doing that. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, one of the top 10 rated players in the world because, I mean, that's the easy bet. But <laughs> I, I would say I have decent odds as long as I'm – Putting well on the putting. Well, game. coming out of have, Vintage have you, Open, you only missed one inside the circle, and that one inside the circle, I'll let you kind of touch on it. It seemed like maybe you putted just a tad high. Did, did that feel like a bad putt to you, the one that fell out? Um, yeah, I, I think I missed more than one throughout the tournament. I missed, uh, I think I missed two in round one, two little dinkers in round one, and then that one in the final round on hole sixteen. But uh. Yeah, that one, the final round was a little high and a little left. So, I mean, it's not a good putt, and it falling out the left side isn't anything that anyone that's putted a bunch would be surprised about. I mean, it could have stayed, but it's not, you know, one that should stay. Exactly. Definitely I like had your a odds. Let me just in, say it this way. Didn't even feel like a good putt. Yeah, let me yeah. just say I like your odds. Uh, I've I've gotten on the Calvin Heimberg train now. After that hot take, I won't ever do that yeah. again. I'm gonna I'm gonna win out apparently. So <laughs> I, I'm like putting myself in timeout. <laughs> Say that again, Nick. Um, have been... I have played the Utah courses. I played it back in 2019. Um, okay. I've passed through there and played the Utah Open to check them out to get nice. like a world's preview for 2020, even though it didn't happen. Yep. Um, not necessarily my favorite courses, but uh, I think I I can play well at them. Um, and I I assume that there's been quite a bit of work done at the fort. The fort was pretty new when I played it and you could tell it was new. It just hadn't been played a bunch and there was just a lot of stuff that had just been cut. So I'm sure it looks much better now than it did when I played it. That's the wooded course, right? Yeah, that's the wooded course. And they also have like a record level flood or something on the river through that course. So we didn't even get to play a a few of the normal holes. We had to play some temp holes. Oh, that's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, a tournament that is coming up and a course that you seem to do well at is Jonesboro. Mm-hmm. In the past, you've said that it's a course that you just need to go out and bomb and you need to putt well. Yeah. Well, both of which you do very well. You throw far and you also putt very well. So are you doing anything different to prepare for Jonesboro or just kind of the same mindset? Has the course changed at all? Um, I went out there and played today. I did skip a few holes, but everything I saw, the course was the same. So I'm assuming the course is mostly the same. Um, nothing's really changing the course really sets up for people to throw far and then just throw their approaches. But in the end, you do have to make your putts. So um, there are some hard, harder par threes where I think people tend to actually separate. Um, but for the most part, I think the par fours are easier to score. And um, that's where I look to, to get the easy birdies and then try to get some of the bonus ones on the par threes. Yeah. Do you enjoy the style of course that this side of heaven is? Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think, I think it could be, there's some holes that I think they could make a little tighter. Um, there's like, for example, hole, I think it's like hole four is a par four that plays, um, the actual hole plays like down a low ceiling and then it has an elevated basket at the end, just long, but if anyone with any kind of power just kind of chucks it out right in the field and then has a short approach, I think, I think all that should be, OB. We shouldn't be allowed gotcha. to throw there. Um, it's not the intended design of the hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know they tried to mitigate a little bit of that by putting some OB clusters out there. 
Um, the first clump that you have to get over is OB, and there's one out in the field, but it's not a lot of OB, and I, I really don't think that's the intent of the hole, so I don't feel like we should be allowed to play that way. Gotcha. It's cool that you say that because there was a hole at Texas State's, uh, I forget which one it was, I think a par four, that a couple people were throwing way over the trees, mm-hmm. and a lot of people online were saying that it's kind of a bummer one because of the camera work trying to film that sucks. So you yeah. have no idea where the disc is the whole time. So as a fan, it's pretty boring. And then as a competitor, a lot of people were saying, you know, it's not the intent of the hole. It's kind of a poke and hope alley that someone randomly found and everyone's kind of going for it now. Um, so it's cool that you mentioned you're obviously you're not a fan of people playing a hole differently, I guess, than it yeah. should be. Played. I mean, so I like I'm that. okay with like, some creativity but this is literally yes. just yeah. throwing it far out in the field allowing you to chunk off way more distance than you realistically should be able to without an amazing shot so yeah. um yeah i think it just depends on the situation but that whole when you can throw far it's just made way too easy by being able to throw out in the field so not a lot of risk but a ton of reward to add on yeah. to it yeah, yeah. So, so what is it going to take calvin i feel like I already called this out once. You're averaging very well this year. You're feeling mm-hmm. like you're not playing fully. You said it's going to come down to who's putting the best on that day. Is there yeah. anything that you're working on specifically with your game? Or is it just a general trying to refine everything? Like, where do you feel like your biggest weakness is as an athlete on the disc golf course? Uh, I think my forehand's probably my biggest weakness. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with backhands um forehands can be a little bit iffy especially when it comes to throwing forehands with distance drivers so i think that's probably my biggest weakness and something i need to continue working on but a lot of times i can get away with not needing it because of my backhand so it makes it a little tougher i have to be very intentional in my practice rounds to work on it in order to get better on it because i'm not super inclined to want to pull it out Mm. yeah i mean when you say you know, you don't feel good about your forehand. I think to myself, you know, as an amateur disc golfer, well, you know, I'd, I'd like your forehand. <laughs> and so, but like, obviously at the top of the game where you are, um, you guys are really evaluating things and saying things at a level of knowing what it takes to win a professional disc golf tournament. And it seems to me is your mindset as a professional disc golfer to go out there and to try and birdie everything. How? What is your mental game like? Because the co- the competition in the field is so incredibly tough lately. Uh, like, how are you yeah. going out there planning to win? Like, what's your mindset? Yeah, you pretty much have to try to birdie everything. Um, like, there's holes sometimes that I'm not very comfortable at trying to birdie, but you realistically have to try to give yourself the opportunity. Um, and putting a disc inside, whatever, circle two, 66 feet or so isn't, terribly difficult on the majority of holes for a pro um i mean it can be hard but uh it's not i think it's something that we're all capable of doing and those are the opportunities that you have to give yourself and i think the more opportunities you give yourself um the better you ultimately do in the long run i I, because i do i think the game currently all comes down to putting like that's the it's the biggest thing giving yourself the putts and then obviously converting them Man, we're living, a- we're living in such a very exciting disc golf time. No joke from a fan's point of view, Calvin. Um, we are just blown away by the amount of parity as far as the amount of actual. We're not just seeing a Paul McBeth run away with it or a, even a Ricky at this point. He was exciting for a round or two or a tournament or two. But like mm-hmm. there have been so many names up there. 
do you feel like this is the most that you've ever seen as far as like vying for the top 10 positions at any tournament? Um, I think there was a lot of that last year. Um, I think last year we had a bunch of different winners that no one won more than, than twice. Um, at least when it came to elite series events. Um, so I think we saw a lot of that last year and I think that's continued into this year. No one, no one's shown that they've, you know, truly elevated their game to some new elite level over the uh, off season. I think, um, it's definitely possible for someone to do that still. Um, it's just very difficult. I mean, we have to see like, uh, Paul Macbeth that was rated 1060 something, you know, again, to see someone come out and, and win week in, week out. I'm still sticking with you, Calvin. You're, you're doing it from here on out. Let's go. I'm placing my, my bets at Vegas now. There you go. <laughs> Do you have a specific tournament or a specific course that you enjoy going back to every single year? Uh, my favorite, my favorite tournament and course is Maple Hill. Um, so I, I love playing the MVP open. Um, I love that, and I love Beaver State. Unfortunately, I won't be able to go back to Beaver State this oh. year. Mm. But um, those two are my favorites, Maple Hill being number one. That's like the uh, bucket list win for me. Sweet. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool yeah. to hear. That is very cool. I'm actually playing um, the so AM side. I'm playing the MVP AM side this uh, I guess it would be this weekend. Yeah, this, this weekend it's happening. So I'll go out there and do it for Vinny. <laughs> Sweet. There you go. If you, uh, so coming from someone who has a degree in a very good field, um, yeah. and then making the switch to compete in disc golf full time, do you have any advice for anyone up and coming who is potentially on the fence about making that decision? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much to lose giving it a shot, you know? I mean, it's just a little bit of time, you know, if it's not like living on the road and d traveling and playing disc golf, it might, sound luxurious but it's not as luxurious as people think you know i'm i literally don't go home back in, to florida until until fall so i'm on the road for whatever seven plus months out of the year but uh yeah i mean there's nothing really to lose just go for it i would say and uh if you like it stick with it and if you are enjoying yourself you're gonna you're gonna excel and you're gonna slowly get better cool and then kind of to wrap everything up do you have any sponsors you want to shout out and also where can people find you on social media and everything like that? Um, yeah, as always, uh, got to shout out Innova for, you know, being my main sponsor and supporting me. Uh, Millennium, they also support me through a signature disc and uh, grip equipment. Um, I'm not super active on social media, but you can you can find me at uh, C. Heimborg at, uh, on Instagram. And then I pretty much never post anything on Facebook. So that's a useless follow, I guess. But, uh, you can, well, uh, luckily, luckily you still check your Facebook though. Cause that's how I was able to reach out to you after yeah. you'd already reached out to me and yada, yada, yada. But anyways, we really appreciate you being very kind and coming on to our show. It's been fun. It's definitely been very interesting to hear your perspective on everything and then good luck. We hope to see you potentially do a back-to-back -to -back -to victory over at Jonesboro. And I'm excited to watch the coverage. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Have a great evening and good luck out there. I won't make this mistake again in the future. Calvin. Yeah, don't for... make that mistake again. If I'm on the road, <laughs> count me into getting at least one win. All right, man. I'll see, I'll see <laughs> you up here in the Elite open. Series 1. All right. We'll talk to you later, Calvin. Safe travels. Take it easy, Calvin. See ya. All right. Bye. Okay, Nick. If that, um, I gotta say, I'm gonna cut you off real quick because I think my favorite part about that interview was him saying, Whoever made that hot take, 
that was a very dumb take. So. Yep. I oh, literally, and I hope, I hope the listeners can appreciate the fact that I threw myself under the yeah. bus. I had to do it. Nick, next time we have Sarah I on. You, I wish you had done it first so that I would have remembered to do it. Um, you no. know, if Sarah, for some odd reason, is still listening, my bad. But It's extremely, it was extremely like, I've never had that real feeling before, like doing an interview like that. And I'm just like sitting here, like feeling a little bad inside as he's going. Yeah. I don't know why anybody would do that. It's like a horrible, <laughs> horrible decision. Yeah. Well, it was literally, you talked behind his back and then uh, we brought on, I brought on the guy who you were yeah. talking crap about. I brought him on the show to confront you. So uh, no, that's cool. It wasn't so much crap well as it was. Like I said, it was like rolling the dice at Vegas. I'm just like, come on, if I get this one right, I'll come out as a hero. But now getting it wrong, the, the stakes were very high. So I've lost I was say, all you credibility. You usually do not come out of Vegas a hero. So to <laughs> the right. people who do, kudos to you. But yeah. I definitely can't. But so anywho. what are we watching for at Jonesboro, Nick? There's a few names to me that I've been saying for the past like three or four episodes that I'm looking at. We can talk about it. For me, I'm looking at the performances of Paige Pierce, Paul Macbeth, Kevin Jones, Ezra Aderhold, James Conrad, and Eagle. Those are names that stand out to me as like, this is a turning point or not. Um, yep. What do you think about, do any of those names stand out to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Paige, we're going to talk about this later, but she had the post talking about what's been going on in her life because everyone's been wondering. So I think that's definitely a big name to watch. Uh, Kevin Jones had a great finish a couple weeks ago, had a lackluster finish coming back this week. Um, but home state of Arkansas, I'm assuming he's got a little chip on his shoulder, obviously, wants to come out and do great. Ezra, everyone's been talking about, hasn't been performing as well since he was on the show. So we might be to blame for that. Uh, James Conrad, obviously coming off a great finish. Eagle McMahon seemed like he took a little bit of time off. So hopefully injury wise, he's doing better and going to come out strong in Jonesboro. It's definitely a course that suits his game a hundred percent. And then obviously I just shout out my boy, Paul. Um, he was just here for a little over a week, I think. And he seems to be in a great mood. Just had this awesome ribbon cutting for the course that he had just opened up recently here in the Bedford County area. And um, so be ready, be on the lookout for him to make an attack at this one. He got, he got second place last year, I think by like one or two strokes maybe to Calvin. Yeah. I And let me add to those names just a few. The whole dang field, like Jonesboro yeah. is like, again, with all the parody we've been seeing, uh, I think everybody is like, yeah. as I said to Calvin, like everybody is vying for the, even the top 10 nowadays, mm -hmm. um, which so long story short, I think the biggest name that I'm looking for on that course is Paige Pierce, number one. And then yep. um, I feel like Eagle is probably the second. If I'm going to pick two names that I'm going to watch yeah. as closely oh, as possible. So yeah. th th those are my uh, that's that's what I'm looking for at Jonesboro open. I want to kind of give my little, you know, shout out to Brody, but my dark horse kind of people that I'm hoping will do very well at this event. Obviously the dark horse himself, Brody, uh, he made a funny tweet the other day just saying, you know, here's what I throw on hole one through 18 nuke, 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 and just saying how it's a bomber course. And so that's pretty cool because Brody throws far also putts very well. So I think he could do very well at this event. I'm hoping he does. And then also my boy, Casey White, Three top 10 finishes at these Elite Series events that we've been having lately. More wooded courses, 
which is obviously a strong suit of Casey being a New Englander. Um, so I'm curious, but Casey also throws far and he puts well. So I'm very curious to see how Casey, I think it's his first year going out to Jonesboro. Super excited to see how he's going to do. I've obviously been beyond impressed. The whole Massachusetts crowd is behind him. And uh, so those are kind of my picks. And then for the FPO side of it, I mean, you know, I'm always rooting for Haley King. She's definitely one of my favorite players to watch and to root for. So she throws far. She puts very well. And then obviously Paige Pierce, um, just seeing how she can kind of, after a very hot start to the season and a very cold spell recently, let's see how she comes out of this. Because obviously, as we all know, she crushes and she puts pretty well. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's been the longest break of the season without an NT or an elite series um, DGPT event. So I'm really looking yeah. forward to Jonesboro for sure. Moving if into you are not signed up for the disc golf network, please <laughs> go sign up for it. Incredible disc golf is about to be displayed on it. The live coverage has been amazing lately and I can't say anything more about that. <laughs> it's true. And uh, talking about network coverage, let's talk about mm-hmm. masters PGA masters, Nick, totally cool. I don't know if you follow it at all. I barely follow it in the sense that like I'm into sports in general. So like, I know the masters mm-hmm. is coming and I, and I am yeah. somebody who will watch like the final round of the masters, like, and totally yeah. enjoy it. I'm not a guy yep. that's sitting down for all the rounds. I don't follow it throughout the year, but did you see, well, first of all, congratulations to Hideki, right? Japan is like adoring him right now. The, He's the first, yeah. The first player out of Japan ever to win a golf major. So that in and of itself, I mean, people play for the home state and my dude played for his home country. Yeah. And that's, that's just wild. So huge congratulations. He's obviously never going to hear me say this, but at the same time, <laughs> huge congratulations. That's freaking badass, dude. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet, but I guess kind of more of a headline in the disc golf world about the masters was Bryson DeChambeau, who I think won the U S open last year. Um, bomber of a golfer the dude hits the ball a mile and uh he was actually caught playing disc golf before the masters at i think a local course in augusta and some father and his sons i think were out there playing noticed him and they actually got to play a majority of the round with him so i think that's pretty cool a couple different pga golfers in the past have talked about disc golf um a couple PGA golfers have tweeted about watching last year's pro tour coverage on ESPN. So it's pretty sweet. That was definitely a big thing for disc golf. Hopefully people aren't trashing it because he didn't play so great at the tournament. <laughs> so hopefully people aren't blaming the disc golf aspect of it, but uh, nah, it's pretty cool. That definitely made headlines all across the disc golf network. Can you imagine? And I know he's not Tiger Woods, so I can't really compare it to that, but let's just say someone who is even slightly favored to win a PGA event. Um, and we talked about this a few weeks ago with other pro athletes coming to play disc golf, what that might be like. Bryson is someone who arguably drives the ball the farthest of any PGA player, uh, to see him pick up, yeah, yeah, see him pick up a disc and attempt to throw it. And through the interviews I was reading, which by the way, it made headlines everywhere, like disc golf again, made headlines everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was cool to see that he's out there trying to learn. He want, He's a competitor. He's an athlete. 
He wanted to learn how to master the disc. And I think what's very cool here, Nick, if you go back to episode like three or four of the Nick and Matt show, back on the Nick and Matt show YouTube channel, go find this. Mm -hmm. We interviewed and talked to uh, Matt Kruger of UDisc and we asked the question between all three of us, what's harder, disc golf or disc uh, or or golf, sorry, with a, a club and a ball. And I wanted to kind of celebrate in the moment that Bryson an elite level PGA athlete was having a hard time throwing a disc. I just felt like that was a success for me arguing the take that I was arguing. <laughs> which... Yeah. I think we can also go and say, I mean, you could take any one of our great players in our sport and put them, you know, obviously there's a select few who are pretty good at golf. There you go. But I mean, you could go get someone <laughs> random who goes out there and plays golf and they're going to have an awful time and everything like that. So. I guess my but point yeah, is obviously I'm not celebrating yeah, no. in that fact, but I think, What's interesting, it would be very, very cool to see a changeover, a switchover sport for just like if he could do it for an off season, just to see it, like what yeah. level he could get to. Um, he's obviously yeah. an athlete. So that was cool to see. Again, yeah, you mentioned other names, Bubba Watson, two-time Masters yep. champion, um, actually a member of the PDGA, not current, but Bubba Watson has shown he has a member card uh, for the PDGA. And also, as you mentioned, Rory. McElroy yeah. um, tweeting out, Hey, I'm watching disc golf. So it's not a crossover sport like fully, but like we have our yeah. same origins of like trying to beat the course. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like how they always poke that little jab. Like I think one of them had posted, you know, Oh, this looks hard. I think I'll stick to ball golf or real golf. And I, I, I think it's funny when they say ball golf, I don't necessarily care when people say, you know, real golf. I think that's kind of, just sounds a little demeaning in a sense. I mean, yeah, I, I like calling disc golf disc golf and I like calling golf golf. Like, I mean, it's pretty easy to differentiate between the two, but yeah, it's definitely cool seeing other athletes. I know Paul has talked to, uh, there's an NBA player that he's talked to and kind of friends with now. And then there's an MLB, MLB player who has gotten into it a little bit. Teddy Bruschi, mm. former Patriots mm-hmm. linebacker was spotted at Daisy Fields, a course out in Massachusetts. So it is really cool to see either retired sports athletes or current sport professional athletes coming out and just enjoying disc golf. It, it is really cool to see. I'd love for, you know, hopefully one day there'll be a collab between our top competitors and some of their top competitors in a different sport and just being able to come out with some cool content. Like, I, I think that'd be very fun to see. So Nick, um, and moving on from that, did you know this past weekend, did anybody know, listeners live right now are driving it in your car, that a PDGA major took place this past weekend, a major. Now, you're starting, you're like, what did I miss? There's some, there's some weird take here that Matt's doing. Well, yeah, you, you're not wrong. It was a PDGA X tier major. It still is classified as a major, uh, but the mm-hmm. X tier, which is usually meaning there's modified rules, not totally played straight yeah. up, but the the status level was major status. And I'm talking about yeah. the collegiate national championships. Uh, Nick, have you ever competed in this collegiate national championship? No, I have not. I uh, didn't go to a college that had disc golf as a sport. And to kind of give people a little quick understanding, another PDGA major that is an X tier or has been an X tier in the past is the USDGC. One of the big reasons for that is the stroke and distance rules that USDGC has had in place for a while. So they've, they calculate ratings at that event, but they don't go towards your actual player rating. I know in the last few years, it's been like that. Obviously it hasn't been like that the whole time, but just to give a little clarification on that, but no, I personally did not go to a college that 
has disc golf as one or had disc golf as one of the things to do. But I live 15 minutes away from a college that actually just competed in this PDJ X major. So let's let's break Liberty University. Yeah, Liberty University. Actually, Hannah McBeth uh, competed on the collegiate national championship uh, through Liberty University. One of the co-owners of Foundation Disc Golf is also someone who competed at the uh, college. Interesting. So let's kind of give people just the very basics here. So they have something to walk away with instead of us just talking about something that honestly is fairly not obscure. It's starting to gain speed and traction over the past few years. It's been happening for a while, but here's how it works. Each university can field up to six people. They play a round of doubles uh, and the way this works and singles, but best disc and what's called best lie. The difference between best disc and best lie is one, you're playing um, best lie, which is honestly, I think this is, uh, we make a mistake on this most often. If I say, hey, Nick, let's go play best disc doubles. Um, Typically what I'm saying to you is let's throw a shot. Let's choose which one's better and let's go over to and throw from there. But the way it's defined here at the collegiate national championships is best disc um, means that you both finish out the hole playing your own lies. And then if Mm -hmm. you got a three and I got a four, we take your play on that hole. Best lie is what we I commonly refer to as best disc, which means we're going to choose the best lie and play out from there yeah. together. So that's uh, they can field up to six people playing best disc doubles. Yeah. Um, it and should then, be best score and best lie or best disc. It should be, you know, <laughs> I, I do kind of like that idea, though, of that doubles thing. I'd, I'd be curious about doing a, a fun, fun tournament or even like, you know, a $10 round with a bunch of buddies and everyone plays their own singles technically but you would take the lowest score that you and your partner did on that hole. So it actually sounds kind of fun. I'd be curious to do it and just see what it's like, but yeah. Yeah. And then I, I agree. That totally sounded fun to me. I was like, well, good. When I mess up on a hole and Nick plays it well, we could take his score, but yeah, it goes exactly. both ways. Um, yeah. Then they'll do a score of doubles. Their play, their doubles plays added to the singles play. Uh, so that's how they come up with a, a team title, if you will. So these are some notable players who have played in the Collegiate National Championships. Reed Frescura, Austin Hannum, Cameron Colglazier, and again, I'll say Hannah McBeth, and you added to it Hunter Thomas, a foundation. Yep. Um, there are yep. some notable players that have come out of that. Um, so let's just give a congratulations to these uh, these winners. Ferris State was the women's team champion. University of Georgia was the men's team championship. Uh, and then individual winners for both men and women again taking the singles score davis york out of university of georgia he's a rated 968 player took it down uh and then finally whitney brown out of south arkansas university she was only and i say this only i looked it up a little bit she's only rated 830 830 and she took it down um it looks like her ratings kind of fluctuated over time but 830 is what she's rated going into this congratulations to whitney brown Cool. Very cool. All right. What do you see next, Nick? What are we talking about next? <laughs> My homeboy, who was actually just in Virginia for a little bit. It was so awesome to see him and go out and do some filming and just hang out. Incredible time. But Simon Lazat recently just posted on Facebook. Actually did get to read it. Uh, brief reading. I kind of summarized it. Um, but he did announce his return to the tour which obviously I like, I looked at it, it had like 1.5 thousand likes or like emotion reacts and everything like that on Facebook. So that was really cool that people are super engaged with that, but he is coming back for the OTB open, which used to be the San Francisco open 
They actually moved courses to a different one. OTB took the title sponsorship and everything like that. But that is out in California. Uh, he'll be playing that event. But one of the things that he did mention in the comment or the post, excuse me, is that he probably will not play back-to-back events, which, to be honest, I think that is incredibly smart. I'm so excited to see Simon back out on the road. I love watching him. It was incredible to watch him actually play smart golf. If you guys watched Hannah Macbeth's <laughs> video of him and Paul, um, it, it was awesome. And he's so freaking good at disc golf. It's it's wild, even when he's not 100%. So um, I, I'm super excited to see him back on the road. I'm a Simon fan, and it's very fun. Yeah, I don't have much to follow up on that besides it will be good to see him out there. I think it'll be good for Simon, if you're listening, I think it'll be good for your mentality. Yeah. As in like, instead of being at home filming videos with me and Nick and everybody else, like missing out on the tour, <laughs> I, I'm serious. Yeah. Like there's a point yeah. where you're not doing what you love and everybody else is. Um, and that's what injuries do. And you start to get into this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Simon got into a bad place, but I'm just saying there's this, like, it's going to be good for his soul. Can I say that much? Like, even if he's yeah. playing at, oh God, yeah. even if he's playing at what he would consider to be 70% of his game, I think it's going to be good for him because he knows that's what's happening and he's working himself back yeah. into it. Uh, good, good for him. Um, were you out there when they were filming that Simon versus Paul uh, lines? Were you out there just not on camera? No, I actually didn't go to that. I went out and did some other stuff, actually. I think I met up with them. Yeah, I met up with them after to film over at Paul's new course. Mm-hmm. I attempted to play there, but I played really bad for the 160,000 people who watched it. It was miserable. <laughs> but uh, no, I uh, so we he did upload the video, actually, when I think they were still in town. Or maybe he had just left. I forget, actually, but trying to remember when we watched it. No, we watched it when Paul's family came to town. So it was a week out or like a couple of days after Paul's family came into town. We all sat on the couch and watched it and we were all dying laughing. Like I, to me, that was one of the best videos that I've watched in a while. And so it, yeah, it was just, it was really fun. I loved watching him play. I loved watching Paul, especially when, he, when he did the 360 on hole two of that video. And what really made that pretty cool is one, he bombed it. It was sick. And two, the tee pads at that course are absolute hot garbage. <laughs> so for him to have the confidence that his knees would be able to take that was pretty incredible. And he, he murdered it. So it, it was really fun to watch. And, uh, fun, friendly banter between the two. Yeah. And I think in while it was totally recreational and fun to watch in that sense, there were takeaways that I think are on almost at a more serious level. What did... um. Paul say at the end, he was kind of like, and I, I think you can tell me, correct me if I was wrong. I think he was being pretty serious when he was like uh, moving his arm. He's like, ah, oh, feels like I threw about like 25 holes. Like his point was yeah. throwing those types of lines take a larger toll on your body over the course of yeah. even one round. Um, And I don't think he was joking. Like there's a little bit of facetiousness, like, ah, oh, my arm hurts. But I think there was a lot of seriousness yeah. there. And I don't know. Is this going to cause Simon to reconsider Simon lines going forward? There's a showman in Simon that everybody loves. He yeah. loves it. Yeah. But do you think it's funny? It's funny talking about our friend on a talk show, but we got to do it. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, right. Do you think um, for the sake of discussion that that actually is infiltrating his mind a little bit going, 
maybe my game changes a little bit. And I, I, re, I pull back a little bit. I don't do those quote unquote Simon lines yeah. as often. What do you think? I can't give you a yes or no answer. I hope. Yes. I hope he does reconsider doing Simon lines and going more towards the smart golf that they have played in that video. And the reason I say that is because when we went out and played new London right after, which is the new course that Paul designed, it's incredibly hard. It's honestly probably the hardest course that I have personally ever played. Um, when it comes to scoring opportunities, par OB and everything like that, it's incredibly well done, but Simon toning it back and kind of playing smarter golf just showed like he is a phenomenal player in the woods. He's an incredible athlete when it comes to disc golf and he's a very, very good putter. And so I hope personally that he does tone it back when he gets out in the road because he plays, I think, smarter and he plays very well doing that. Obviously, he's going to have opportunities to show off and I think he will always be able to do that. And he's kind of annoyed because one of his advantages he had always said in disc golf was that he could throw further than most people. And that was an advantage that he had that he no longer has right now as he's only throwing, let's say, 70 to 80 percent. He still throws ridiculously far. He still throws further than I do. And he he just he played well the weekend that I hung out with him. So I hope when he goes out on the road, if he tones it back, that he performs at that same level because it was very, very fun to watch. Simon's one of my favorite people to play disc golf with, hands down. Every round is entertaining and every round is fun to play. So looking forward to actually seeing him back out on the road. Yeah. And I say this because we've heard him talk about it. He's okay not getting first place. That's not going to be an issue for him. The issue is, and we've seen this at the end of the seasons with him, saying more or less like he's not having fun. Like, I'm at the end of the season. I've done too much disc golf. I'm burnt out. Um, so to him, having fun is, and isn't it fun? Isn't that true for anybody? Having fun is a huge part of why we do anything we do. The difference here is... Yeah. It's mixing his job, which not very many people have fun doing their job. It's mis, mis, uh, mixing his job with what he grew up loved doing. I, I've done this before with photography. Yep. I loved and enjoyed mm -hmm. the hobby of photography. I turned it into a business for about seven years. And then I was like, I don't want to take pictures anymore. And like it, it kind of ruined it for me. It's like turning. It's mm -hmm. like it's kind of that weird dichotomy, that, that feeling of like. I love doing this, but I want to have fun doing this. But if I'm not winning, am I doing my job well? It, he's been trying to balance that for years. It'll be interesting to see coming yeah. off of this injury if that changes anything for him. Yeah. I, like I said, I can't say it enough. I'm super excited to see him get back out on the road. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I hope to see him on coverage. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for it, to be honest. All right. Paige Pierce. We wouldn't have a show the last three or four weeks without Paige Pierce being a topic. Um, yeah, I know, right? But we've been speculating a little bit on this. And she came out and addressed her fans in an Instagram post. She said that more or less, hey, well, first of all, let me give her credit. She's such a, she comes across as such a hum humble player. And I think she really is. I think she really cares about people. I believe that. Uh, she came out in a post and said more or less one day, the first day she posted, hey, like, I know I haven't been like addressing many of you like often enough, but isn't it great to see so many FPO players playing so well? Uh, the storyline hasn't been me, but this is amazing what we're seeing in the FPO division. So that's like her first take on it. She goes, stay tuned for tomorrow. I'll talk a little more. 
Day number yeah. two, she says, and I'm summarizing this, but hey, like life is happening. I've been focusing on the future and I haven't been able to compete as well in the present. So mental game is a big part of what that was. Nick, how did you interpret that? Yeah, pretty much the same exact way. And, you know, I, I love that she came out with a post. And one of the reasons I say that is because she didn't have to say anything. You know, first and foremost is that she does not owe it to anyone to say anything, except for the fact that she does appreciate all the support and everything like that, that fans give her, her sponsorships give her. And so for her to come out with a post and kind of pour her heart out with it was really cool. But yeah, I interpreted it the same way is that thoughts on the future, not focusing in the present right now. And there are going to be times where these professional athletes, especially players who are playing at the top of their level, the top of their career, you know, Paige obviously has done incredible things with her career and she's building off of that and building into the future, maybe future investments, maybe future projects going on stuff for the disc golf community, apparently, uh, maybe. And, um, so yeah, I think at times she's going to feel distracted during tournaments when she has other stuff going on. So she's talked about yeah. buying a house and like, I'm, I'm, I'm just speculating out loud. Yeah. I don't know anything. She's talked about, you know, she doesn't have a house. She doesn't even have a home state. I've heard her say in interviews. She lives in, out of her van, wherever that yeah. is, that's her home. Um, maybe things are starting to possibly shift there. I'm just speculating. The point yeah. is she's living life and life brings you whatever it brings you. And for her, she's focusing on the future is what she said. And it's not yeah. allowing her to compete as well in the present. Um, I think with all the talent that she has, once she's able to figure out what she's figuring out, like, it's not an issue of her skill level. It's not an issue of yips. It's not like any of that. It's mm -hmm. that her preparation, it sounds like, is not where it needs to be. So um, that that's kind of interesting for sure, only because she has been the name at the top of the leaderboards for how many years in a row? That's why yeah, this is exactly a topic. for so long. I mean, shoot, since I started playing disc golf, she's been on the leaderboards, so... Yeah, so I think, and, and I, I'm just to get put a little bit of a pushback on you. I don't know if I fully believe what I'm about to say, but it's to push back a little that she doesn't owe it to anybody. I agree with you as a person on this planet, like she does not. As a mm -hmm. professional athlete in the limelight with sponsorships and fans, you, I, it's hard to use the word you owe it. I think she did the right thing. Or, yeah, whether oh, it's right or yeah. wrong, I don't know if I'd say it's right or wrong, but like, in this, in the lightest sense of the right thing, I think she did because she knows that people are supporting her and to not say yeah. anything. It's, it's a shocker to not see her at the top. I, I say to her kudos, really well, uh, respected FPO player. Um, yeah, really coming off Absolutely. in a very humble way. Uh, we, we hope the best for her for sure. And again, Jonesboro, I'll say it again. I'm looking towards Jonesboro. Jonesboro. Really I'm really up. looking forward to it. I, I love watching the coverage of Jonesboro and then, um, I don't know, Matt, you, you can check this for me. Is Brody still in the chat? Does he want to hop on and give us a hot tech maybe for what Sarah was saying earlier if we got time? No, he, well, he was chatting a little bit, but he actually mm -hmm. said, peace out. I'm out. So he's no okay. longer in the chat right now. Um, we will gotcha, schedule gotcha. to have he's him on. We have not actually had him on yeah. for a player interview. Mm -hmm. We've had him on to discuss some of his takes on things. Yeah. but we'd like, It wasn't even a planned yeah. appearance or anything <laughs> He like will that. be on at some random. point, uh, the show for cool. sure. Um, Nick, you wanted to talk a little bit about Paul Macbeth. We saw in the news, I say the yeah. news, social media news. Talk about that a little bit. That's pretty much the news at this point. Yeah. So um, for people who don't know, 
uh, Paul Macbeth recently designed uh, from start to finish with the help of the Bedford Parks and Rec Department. Shout out to them. They're incredible people, incredible workers, and they've done so much. And um, they actually, this past weekend, had the ribbon cutting ceremony. And it was really cool to be a part of. Just I was a spectator kind of in the back row of it. And, you know, right on Hole One's T-pad, the Chamber of Commerce and the higher up people who were there literally stretched out a ribbon with a bow on it. And Paul took these massive scissors and cut it. And he also, he threw the inaugural throw. And so it was really cool off hole one and just seeing a dream of his come to reality. And it's such an amazing course. If you were ever in the central Southern Virginia area that uh, I guess we're more central Virginia, I don't even know yet, but if you're ever in the Lynchburg area, Bedford area, um, go check out this course called new London tech disc golf. It's insane. It's a par 68 and it's going to test you and every single part of your game. Is it pay to play? Nope. Okay. So if I'm, it's not going to happen, but if I'm in Richmond <laughs> the next day or two, how far is it from Richmond? Like two hours, hour and I think a half, you're about two, two and a half. Oh, that might be just outside yeah. of what I want to do, but you might have to take off a day of work the next day. <laughs> But I got to also get, I also have to get back to play MVP side. So it's like this, like, uh, this course will be beautiful. If you can play this course, if you shoot under par, Matt, you'll win MVP by 10, just like I did. <laughs> yeah, The day will come. This, uh, it's it's yeah. long gone. I have four kids now, a wife. I have other responsibilities <laughs> besides playing disc golf at yeah. the highest level. Um, that's my excuse so for I, now, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I've played two scored rounds on this course. One, the first day um, I shot a 76, which was eight over par. And then the second day I shot a 73, no, I'm sorry, 71, three over par. And the three over par felt pretty damn good. I did take an eight on one hole. Not obviously not the best score, but um, it was a par four, pretty hard, wooded, tight, everything like that through OB, which honestly OB should never come into play on that hole, but it did. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's ridiculously hard. I'm actually super excited. I'm going to wake up early tomorrow morning and actually get out and play around there. But um, shout out to him. Shout out to Paul Foundation, the Bedford Parks and Rec Department. They, you know, especially Bedford Parks and Rec and Paul, they put on a dream and they put on a disc golf course that this, so far the state has not seen. And for me personally, I haven't played a course like this to where it literally has six open-ish holes six moderately open holes with woods and open fairways and then six pretty tight wooded fairways. So to have that mixed out throughout the whole course, it literally will test you in every single part of your game. Can we talk a little bit about, uh, we're towards the end of the show here. I think people have made it this long, probably would, wouldn't mind hearing. Um, did, did he have full resources at his disposal? Like Paul, could he be like, Hey, we need to li literally clear out this section of woods. Like, and, and he just kind of marks out the trees and they do it where there's special machinery. Um, or was yeah. he, or was he more or less operating based off of the natural train? Like, Oh, there's a field here and there. Like you can just use what you have available. Like how did it get designed? I I don't want to say something that I know might be completely <laughs> wrong. So if for some odd reason, if Kenny Palmer is listening in right now, please comment for, you know, if you're listening for any odd reason. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they were able to go, obviously there's a lot of conservation area. So there were obviously property lines that they couldn't go over and all that, but I'm pretty sure for the most part, Paul could say, Hey, mow down all these briars from this area to that area and cut down these trees. And this looks like an amazing hole. Mm. 
I'm pretty sure they did have whatever they needed to do everything that they did to the course. I mean, it's immaculate. The tee pads are insanely good. Some of the best tee pads that I've ever played, and aesthetically, they're amazing to look at. Um, I'm pretty sure he was able to kind of go out there and say, hey, cut this down, and they'd cut it down, I, I think. I'd have to ask Paul on that. I can obviously check back in next week and get a better answer for that. Yeah. But for the most part, I think that is the case. I was just curious because you were talking about how amazing it was if it was just literally yeah. an am- I mean, sure, when you have a good course, you have to have both. You have to have an amazing piece of property, but you also need to be able to have the ability to cut down and go where you need to go. And it sounds yeah. like both of those, but even with the tee pads you're talking about, sounds like everything was done right here. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what's really cool about this course actually as well, and I want to forget to mention this, was this is the first course ever with the new Paul Macbeth signature baskets. They are Chainsaw Pros with, instead of the red uh, outline look to them, they're actually this like really nice colored blue with Discraft, Paul Macbeth's um, signature on it, and then kind of like Paul Macbeth's logo and everything like that is all on it. So they're, it's the first course with his signature baskets, which I think is really, really cool. And Chainsaw Pros are one of my favorite baskets. Top two. Yeah. So, Nick, I think we've pretty much, we haven't worn out every single topic, but we've done pretty good. I think we're at yeah. the place where we're going to close it out. Uh, feel free to do that unless you have something else you want to bring up. Well, uh, yeah, I got, I mean, two more-ish things. Cool. But I did want to say that the Sarah Holcomb interview was very fun and it's eye-opening to kind of see from a female's perspective. And Holly Finley kind of brought this up at the beginning uh, when she posted about it was opening up to more spots for the FPO division. Sarah's take of it was potentially taking spots from the MPO division and putting them in the FPO division. I'm curious to see what other pros kind of what their takes are on it. I'm curious to see what they think the solution is. Uh, if any pros are listening right well, now, please Nick. shoot me some DMs. Even people who just want to talk about it, you can go on the Instagram page, talk about it in the comments there, YouTube comments, anything like that, and also on Twitter at Nick and the Nick and Matt one. Um, I would love to talk about it. It's just something that I don't. I'm immature in the sense of I don't really know a lot about it, and I'd love to learn more about it to kind of have a better take. Well, as just a general, and I'm not sending over, you know, everybody, let, letting the dogs loose, if you will. But if you go over to Holly yeah. Finley's, um, I think it was a Facebook post where she brought yep. up the conversation. Yep. There are a significant amount of comments over there, including uh, some MPO players. So you'll see, awesome. I think Yuli's cool. in there. I'll, I'll definitely have to actually go through the comments on that. Yeah, I think Yuli's in there and and a good handful of others, including... Jeff Spring, CEO of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So, oh, very th- cool. It's you'll have to very see cool. how that kind of all unfolded. Um, it's it is yeah. interesting uh, to hear it from Sarah again. I value everybody's opinions. I think, again, I am not. I haven't listened to all sides of the conversation enough to make the most informed opinion on it. But in general, can I tell you what I'd love to see? Whether it's utopia or not, I would love to see the ability for it to start shifting to its own. If there are, if there are enough players to fill even yeah. 40 spots, it would be a major shift. But right now, the way the disc golf pro tour is running things, I feel like they are backed with the owner that they have to have the mm-hmm. ability to even test this. This is not disc golf of old where it was like, how are we going to even do that? I feel like it, it's not easy as just flipping a switch. Don't, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. 
It's not that no, easy. Not, yeah. But yeah. but there could be test events. Maybe next year they could run three or two FPO standalone events. That would be really, really cool to see. Um, again, I'm interested to dig deeper into this and actually have yeah. uh, to listen to a form of people even debate. It would be very cool. Maybe that can happen here. Um, Brody yeah. said he wanted to come on and discuss it. I don't know if he's the yeah, right guy exactly. or Maybe not. Maybe have, but... you know, an MPO's standpoint on it and an FPO standpoint on it, two separate interviews specifically talking about that. That'd definitely be something that we can look into. So I guess, you know, pretty much enough of that for now. Uh, last two shout outs I want to give Trevor Harbolt, a friend of mine, also a sponsored DGA uh, plastic thrower. He has a signature series disc coming out. He did not ask me to say this. I just like him as a person. I think he's very transparent he's also someone who is all about the rules in disc golf and pushing for people to be more confident and saying you know hey we need to start holding each other accountable about the rules we are obviously as players supposed to be following them and also calling people on stuff which i know is not the best case scenario but Trevor is very open in saying like, hey, this is what happened. I, I do like that a lot. So support him. Go to his Facebook page or his Instagram. Check out when his tour series disc is coming out soon. And then also, this is only going to make sense for the people in New England slash Massachusetts. But shout out to Team Maple Hill for the Massachusetts COVID Team Challenge. They made it to the Super Bowl, is what we're calling it, of finals going on right now. And... uh I'm really proud to say that I was a part of their team for a little bit this season, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to make it back in Massachusetts for the finals. They might have just given a slight beat down to my co-host team, but we won't. It's you know, actually true. Put salt on the wound. No, no. It's, <laughs> here's the interesting thing, though. Now that we're talking about it, because now you and I can go back and forth, your team versus mine. <laughs> right. First of all, first of all, it's not even your real team. You jump teams from another team. So let's go. Well, let's go team, to there. Let's I'll go there. My original team <laughs> did not set up a match. So my original team was Team Buffenville. And in all of Team Challenge, we were the best team. We were 6-0, and and then COVID happened, and the league was put on halt with it actually never ended up finishing anything. So what you're saying is, is Maple obviously. Hill became the New York Yankees of disc golf, and they said, we're just going to grab every good player around yeah. and try to make well, an amazing team. Yeah, <laughs> Team Buffenville didn't set up another team. There just wasn't enough players who you know felt, felt comfortable with kind of how quick things were going about COVID and everything like that, and so we didn't have enough people. And so Team Maple was like, let's get some pickings before everyone else exactly. asks. And so they exactly. asked a couple of us actually – you know, uh, there was a few of us who they asked. We joined the team, and they're awesome. They're amazing people. I love the team Maple Crew. I also love the team Buffenville Crew that I was on before. The OG team Buff guys that I was on. So you team know with. who we have the OG team Buff guys on our team. I'm we sorry. had Donnie. So we got, got Don Jano. Yeah, Donnie, we, Jano. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Mindy and all these other players. So long story short, you said the beat down on our team. I want you to know, and I'm not. Okay, yes, I am. I'm touting myself. I had zero losses what? that day. It's zero That's losses awesome. for me. So Maple Hill, you've got nothing on me. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, as a team, we did lose. Um, so congratulations to Team Maple Hill. By the way, my wife was like, should I root for you guys to win today or not? And because I've taken, with the new playoff format, it's been every weekend is a match. She's like, if yeah. you win, like, we're getting divorced. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's why they're like, oh, yeah, Nick, are you going to try to make it home for finals? And I was like, yeah, definitely show me the date. And they showed me the date. And I'm like, ah, that one, 
you know, it, it might work. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is only the first round. And I was like, dang, you guys are good. You'll make it into the finals. I said, once you make it into the finals, I'm there. Like, I, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll be yeah. up there for it. And they're playing another incredible team, Team Burgess. They're a very difficult team to beat anywhere. And so I uh, hopefully the date works out to where I can head back <laughs> up to Massachusetts. I miss my family. I miss my friends. And so I, uh, I oh, miss we miss you, Nick. We miss you. Yeah, Nick. I, I'm telling you, I, I miss the community in Massachusetts, the disc golf community. So I'm really excited to go back up eventually. And then I think, Matt, May 18th through 24th, I'll be heading into town. My brother is celebrating getting his Ph.D. from WPI. Uh, with the graduation that they're doing, I think finally. So he's actually spending the week and I'm hoping him and his girlfriend are coming out to Massachusetts. My girlfriend and I are going to go up to Massachusetts. So Matt, that okay. Monday, I okay. might be in studio. It, oh, let me know, man. I've kind of just like bombed the bombed the studio on that side of the room. I said, screw it. No <laughs> one's here. But Nick, if you come back early enough on that Sunday, man, you can caddy me to a victory at the MVPM side. So. We'll see about that. Are you going to be, is it the 17th? It's the, it's through Sunday. It's the uh, 16, 17, 18, I think. So, um, 18 is Monday. Oh, well, whatever day it is. So, well, if I can't, no, then. 18, so 18 I'm, is Sunday, Nick. 18th is Sunday. Oh, 18th. Oh, wait, May or, okay. or April? May. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm talking this weekend. Oh, Come, so we're talking, yeah. Nick, we're Nick, if I, well, let me put it this way. If if you see that Matt Graham has a ten stroke lead going into the last round, you drive up from Virginia and you caddy me to a victory. Okay, <laughs> sounds good, Matt. This is all stuff we can talk about off air. Let's let everyone go. So I guess I'll hold on one second. I'll close us out like I do every single week. Uh, everyone, we really appreciate you tuning in uh, to all the podcast listeners listening in their car, their house, or whatever. Post audio and everything like that. We really appreciate it. Um, definitely give us a like on. Uh, YouTube, give us a like, comment, subscribe, turn on your post notifications, everything like that. It helps Matt and I, it helps the Foundation Podcast Network. We're obviously trying to grow this show. Um, peep the new merch. It's going to be coming out on the Foundation Disc website coming out soon. It's the Nick and Matt Show Trucker. I, I think these are called Trucker Real quick, hats. what is it? Yeah, is it a mesh back? Someone was asking in the comments. Yeah, it's, it's a mesh back with a snapback. So okay, so it's like a snap. It's a snapback. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm awful. I just like black hats and it's okay. You know, I'm, one, I'm actually really comfortable. It's very slick. Um, I am going to post it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter tonight. So you could be able to get a better view of it. But anyways, tell someone, you tell someone you love them this week and we will catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome, man. The Nick and Matt show, a disc golf podcast designed for you. The disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel. 